Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. And I'm ABC's Deputy Political Director Mary Alice Parks. And John is taking a post-All-Star Game day off uh, after the, the fun in Washington. Uh, but it has been quite an eventful couple of days uh, in Washington and well beyond, uh, starting the week with the this extraordinary summit. Uh, in Helsinki, Finland, uh, President Trump meeting with Vladimir Putin. Uh, it was an interesting one, Mary Alice, because we didn't really know going in what the goals were. We know that the president wanted to have this meeting, but it wasn't like a Kim Jong-un summit or like, frankly, almost any summit between an American leader and a Russian leader where you know exactly what both sides want. We didn't know what they would be trying to accomplish out of this. Uh, and, but the takeaway ended up being quite a bit more than anyone bargained for. Uh, some screaming headlines in the aftermath about how the unprecedented nature uh, of this event, and, and it seemed to be capped by uh, an instance, a rare, uh, maybe uh, unprecedented instance of an American president siding with a Russian president over his own intelligence agencies, over his own government. Over and over again, asked repeatedly who he believed uh, was responsible for this influence campaign in the lead up to the 2016 elections, asked repeatedly if he would defend the intelligence conclusions, and he wouldn't really. He hedged. The questions were biting and to the point, uh, and it was very interesting to watch those two world leaders um, sort of tangle on on stage with these with these questions and and trip all over themselves to avoid insulting one another. Um, you know, afterwards, John McCain, not mincing words, said it was a low point in the history of the American presidency in his mind. And in uh, President Trump to have this happen over Russia, of all things, the relationship with Putin as closely guarded as it is, as as closely scrutinized as it is. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play it out, and we should note, and we'll play this uh, in, in a few moments, that the president tried to clean it up the next day. We're going to talk in a few moments, Mary Alice, with uh, a member of the uh, the Senate Homeland Security Committee who uh, traveled to Russia in the days before this summit, uh, a, a, a leading voice on foreign policy and national security, and among those who've been critical of how the president handled that initial meeting with Putin. But this is what got it started. Uh, the president was asked a question he's been asked a lot, and this time he was standing just a few feet away from Vladimir Putin when he was asked uh, whether he held Russia accountable and responsible for meddling in the 2016 election. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago, uh, a long time, frankly, before I got to office. So both countries responsible. And then uh, I want to play this uh, because he was essentially asked, uh, who do you believe? Do you, do you believe the intelligence side of the intelligence community, the unanimous recommendation of the United States intelligence community, or do you believe the Russians? I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. It's quite the loaded butt there in that <laughs> sentence. I think it really struck people that he was saying he cared more about his gut feeling. Yeah. His gut feeling was that he trusted Putin. That seemed to be an acceptance of a denial. And that sent shockwaves around the country, around the world, like we were saying, to have him look like he was undercutting the conclusions of his own cabinet, his own intelligence agencies. And and then it comes to this, this uh, the, the, a critical soundbite. And listen carefully, because uh, contractions matter, syllables matter in, in what's about to come. Uh, where the president kind of weighs out uh, what he views as the both sides of this argument. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. 
you can almost hear heads hitting desks across, across Washington as uh, that sentence was uttered. Uh, that, to me, encapsulated so much of uh, how President Trump has approached this relationship. He's looking for a, a partner. He's looking for someone that he can get along with and seem to be accepting entirely the version of events put forward by the Russian government. And you have to remember that all these statements, you know, going through the entire press conference, a 45-minute press conference where he repeatedly seemed to side with Vladimir Putin, came after days of bashing the United States over the issue of Russian meddling. I mean, just a few days before an interview, he had said that the DNC should be ashamed for not doing a better job at protecting their own data, accusing a a private American institution for not having safeguards against a foreign government. So this didn't come out of nowhere. This concern that the president just did not have the country's back had been building. And it prompted um, as close to a meltdown, I think, as we've seen in Republican circles since Charlottesville. Uh, and uh, broad condemnations by a wide range of Republicans, not just John McCain, although primarily uh, the the loudest voices were people that have been loud in the past, but people like Senator Bob Corker, the chairman of the uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, and and well more than half of Republican senators, including the senator, uh, Steve Daines, we're going to talk to in a few minutes, who are saying that uh, the evidence is clear, that uh, it is clear that Russia meddled in this election and that you have to trust the intelligence agencies. We should note the president uh, did a couple of interviews with Fox News uh, shortly after this, uh, after this appeared, uh, after this uh, event on Monday, he flew home from Helsinki, arrived late Monday night to an absolute media firestorm that he was presumably watching on Air Force One because that's what he does and tweeting uh, about even this event. Uh, and there was silence from the president for well more than 24 hours. And his staff. They didn't plan on having public events yesterday all morning there at the White House. There was a feeling that they weren't going to address this publicly. And then they changed their mind. And all of a sudden, what was supposed to be a closed door meeting with a few Republican lawmakers to talk about taxes, of all things, uh, was suddenly changed and cameras were allowed in. They were allowed in. And and the statement that he read from, uh, according to um, our colleague John Carl, co-host of the show, uh, the president uh, keyed in himself on the the key word that he appears to adjust. Um, you've seen the pictures online, I'm sure, of him uh, with some handwriting uh, on the margins, handwritten changes to the to the uh, to the uh, uh, the statement that he was prepared to deliver. But um, he blamed it all on a double negative. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify, just in case it wasn't, in a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word "would" instead of "wouldn't." The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russian. So just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. So you can put that in, but did it actually clarify anything, Mary Alice? 
Yeah, the president said that he wanted to clear things up, but I think he really just muddled the waters further. And that's what everyone's being asked today. Is this enough? Do you buy it? Was it one slip of the tongue or a 45-minute press conference where the president repeatedly had comments that were shocking to his allies back here and abroad? And I think it was important to sort of tick through a lot of those big moments from earlier this week where you see it wasn't just one moment. It wasn't just one line. It was over and over again, the president looking like he was willing to trust Vladimir Putin over the top secret classified information that he gets from his intelligence folks. And it's not just 45 minutes. It's 18 months as president and um, two and a half years on, in, on the public stage where he talks about the importance of, of a good relationship with Vladimir Putin, his respect with Vladimir Putin. He even said during the campaign that he had met Putin a few times, which mm. actually wasn't the case. He'd actually never met him. And Putin kind of referenced that even at his, at his news conference. And I'll tell you, Mary Alice, and you've had these conversations with Republicans as well. I've talked to people inside the White House, outside the White House, on Capitol Hill, they don't get yeah. this president's uh, fixation on on having a good relationship with Vladimir Putin. Uh, th- it, it is enough for them to to even even people that are very loyal to the president wonder deep down: Is there something we don't know here about this? Is there something else out there? You don't have to go as far as Chuck Schumer to say it's clear that the that, that Putin has some has the dirt on him. For a lot of people to wonder: What is the deal with President Trump and Vladimir Putin? And there's a lot of people that support diplomacy, right, who congratulated the president, even some of his critics congratulated him for meeting with North Korean leaders, for saying, yes, dialogue is better than no dialogue, but that is different than kowtowing, than giving a pass, uh, than not standing up and not protecting U.S. institutions. I think that is another thing that has Republicans really concerned here is what is the country doing now to keep us safe, to keep U.S. elections safe, to keep U.S. institutions safe going forward. It doesn't seem like that has been a priority for this president. And even at that um, that, that impromptu session with reporters, the reporters are brought in to listen to the president to try to clean this up. Even at that moment where he's reading from this prepared statement to try to set the record straight, to add in that, that additional edit to it, uh, he, he, he goes out of his way to back up the intelligence communities. But there's an asterisk. Listen to this. Let me be totally clear in saying that And I've said this many times, I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. Just a little addendum. Could be other people. And it wasn't written down. So much of that statement, he's reading off of notes, uh, which he brought with them. Photographers got pictures of, but you could also see him looking down and reading notes. And then he looks up, ad-libs, that that addition, that qualifier, which really undercuts the the very thing he just said, because, of course, uh, intelligence agencies and members of Congress that have done their own investigations have not said, oh, it could be others. They've said, no, there is one country that that really tried to attack U.S. institutions. And it, it sets up a, a more urgent question now for President Trump's allies, erstwhile allies on Capitol Hill and beyond, because you... The, the, from the president's perspective, the White House perspective, this is now open and, and shut. It's done. The president acknowledged that he misspoke. You're seeing people like Newt Gingrich say, finally, thank you, Bob Corker, as we mentioned, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Glad that the cleanup has happened. Uh, but I would argue, Mary Alice, that all of those questions that were raised by that Monday press conference are just as relevant as they are on Wednesday, after the fact, Absolutely. after this happens. The president adds this this little change to to what he meant to say. It was a slip of the tongue or transcription error, whatever you want to think of it as. The president didn't convey exactly what he wanted. 
But man, you take the entirety of what he said on Monday over the entirety of 18 months as president and every single question you had about why the president was cultivating this relationship, what transpired exactly between him and Putin, 100% relevant. And if he has any interest in holding Russia accountable for what everyone in law enforcement agrees they did. You know, I was struck by some tweets that Chuck Schumer put out Putting this in historical terms, maybe alarmist, but, you know, he's the Democrat. Can you imagine if President Kennedy believed when he was believed that there were no missiles in Cuba? Can you believe if President Reagan believed Gorbachev without verifying that the USSR would reduce its missile stockpile? We're living in a much different world today. Sure, cyber is hard to to quantify, to put on TV. But is it less of a threat than a missile? Is it a different threat? Sure, uh, but a threat nonetheless. And it is remarkable that the U.S. president still continues to to undercut intelligence. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to put all of those questions to our guest, Senator Steve Daines, Republican of Montana. Brought to you by Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. There's a lot coming at you right now. Turmoil, tweets, an insane amount of chatter. I'm Brad Milkey with ABC News, and I am here to throw you a lifeline. It's a new podcast called Start Here, where our experts give you on-the-ground access to the biggest stories of the day. We're going to give you some context, some clarity among the chaos. 20 minutes every weekday. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and start here. And now joining us here on Powerhouse Politics, Senator Steve Daines, Republican of Montana and a member of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, who took a really interesting trip just days before President Trump's summit uh, to Russia to deliver some messages in person uh, right there on Independence Day. Senator, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the latest from President Trump. Uh, he, uh, as you know, um, gave that um, that uh, pretty pretty remarkable news conference on Monday where he seemed to accept uh, the Russian version of events regarding election meddling. You were among many in your party, even, who were critical of this. Uh, he went back and tried to clean it up and said uh, that the, this is all about a, a, a dropped contraction, that the word would should have been wouldn't. Does that end it for you? Are you satisfied with this response? Well, the, the president has stated uh, most recently he has full confidence in our intelligence community and their conclusions. Uh, that matches where I'm at. I think that matches where uh, most senators and members of the House are as well. And it's the message that we sent to the Russians when we were there a couple weeks ago. Uh, we left Washington, D.C. on uh, June 28th. Uh, I flew back to Washington, D.C. the morning of the 4th because I needed to be here for the 5th to catch a ride, actually, with President Trump on Air Force One out to Montana for a, uh, a rally. But uh, that was the largest delegation, congressional delegation, in anyone's memory when we took that visit to, uh, to St. Petersburg and Moscow. In fact, it was the first congressional delegation to visit Russia in three years. We met with Foreign Minister Lavrov. Uh, we met with the chairman of the, the State Duma, really their, their legislative body, uh, Chairman Volodin. And we sent a very clear message. Uh, don't interfere in our elections. You have interfered. Don't interfere in the future. Uh, respect the sovereignty of Ukraine. Uh, work with us, not against us, in bringing peace to Syria. Uh, the interaction that we're seeing now mill to mill with uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, Dunford meeting with Russian generals uh, recently to de-conflict in Syria is a very important step. 
So the, the president, uh, what he said yesterday was clear, that uh, he, he believes the conclusions from our intelligence community that Russia did interfere in our elections. That's where I'm at, and that's where the president's at. He also said, as you heard, that it could be other people also, that there's a lot of people out there. And, and as you know, that it wasn't just that one comment. I mean, he went out of his way on Monday to talk about how, well, he was told this side, once he was told this thing by, by Dan Coates, this thing by Vladimir Putin. He said that he was very clear in, in his denial. Are you confident that he actually delivered as clear a message as you and your colleagues delivered to Putin directly? Did he, did he actually confront him in a, in a way that you think was adequate for the moment? Well, I don't know what was said in the, uh, in the meeting that uh, President Trump had with President Putin. Uh, that, that remains between those two leaders. Uh, but I tell you, uh, I think Congress has been very unified on this point, that uh, the Russians did interfere in our election, and the indictments that Mueller put out here just before uh, the president uh, met in Helsinki with Putin are clear. And, and we're not talking just about you know, Russians uh, buying Facebook posts or social media influences. We're talking about breaking into voter files. We're talking about breaking into the DNC servers. This, this ought to have a chilling effect on Americans who believe in protecting our democracy and the sacred right to vote and that every vote counts. So th- this is uh, uh, the, over- the evidence is overwhelming on this. And we confronted, we confronted for Mr. Lavrov on this point. In fact, I think he was almost flabbergasted by every one of us. We had seven senators and one member of the House, every one of us, and we went around the horn here uh, talking these issues with Lavrov, talking these issues with Chairman Volotin of the Duma, uh, it was a consistent message. Do not interfere in our elections. And th- this, the, the Russians are seeking to undermine democracy. They, they don't stand for democracy. They stand to undermine democracy. We must vigorously defend it. And I was grateful to see the president's statement yesterday saying that uh, the Russians did interfere in our elections. He agrees with the intelligence community. That's where I'm at. That's where all seven senators plus a member of the House were when we sent that message to, uh, to the Russians in Moscow a couple weeks ago. And that's where we need to be going forward. But he didn't do that when he had the moment to do it in front of the world with Putin standing next to him. I mean, did that bother you? Here you're saying that it was so important that you sent a strong message, a unified message from Capitol Hill to the Russians. And I don't see how you could feel that the president backed you up. I mean, do you feel like the president backed you up? Well, his statement yesterday is solid. Uh, and and I, when I look at this relationship between the United States and Russia, um, I think it's important to understand why is this relationship important? Why was it important for President Trump to meet with President Putin in Helsinki? Uh, ambassador Huntsman, John Huntsman, who was who a U.S. ambassador to Russia based in Moscow, you know, he, he previously served as ambassador in Singapore, ambassador in China. I have tremendous respect for Ambassador Huntsman. In fact, uh, I told President Trump after our visit to Russia, we were riding on the plane together out to Montana, I said, you have the right man at the right time and the right job with Huntsman being in Moscow. This is how Ambassador Huntsman framed it. When we sat down, uh, before we had our meetings with the Russian leadership, Ambassador Huntsman made this point, and I'm, I'm quoting him as best as I remember what he said. He said this, He said the U.S.-China relationship is too big to fail 
because it's the two world's largest economies. You know, I, I worked in China for five and a half years at Procter & Gamble. Uh, I, t I lead a congressional delegation in China every year because of the importance of the fact they are a $12 trillion economy. The U.S. is about a $19 trillion economy. We're the two world's largest economies by a long shot. That's why that relationship is too big to fail. Then he pivoted over and told us, he said, the U.S.-Russia relationship is too big to fail because these two nations control 90% of the nuclear stockpile in the world, the nuclear weapons. Over 14,000 nuclear weapons are controlled by, between the United States and Russia. So I would never want to set a high expectation in terms of an outcome from a, uh, a summit between Russia and the United States, between two presidents, uh, between President Putin and President uh, Trump. But I will say this, the dialogue is very important to keep the phone channels open because our two nations represent 90% uh, of the nuclear stockpile. I think Ambassador Huntsman framed that well. That's why I applaud the president in engaging Russia. I applaud uh, Chairman Dunford of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in engaging Russian military to deconflict in Syria. And that's why I thought it was important that we had a U.S. delegation of members of the House and Senate in Moscow the first time in three years. When you have two superpowers that relates to nuclear stockpiles, radio silence is not a good thing. Keeping communication channels open is a better alternative. You know, Senator, you've also written a lot saying that those indictments from the Mueller team were important, that his work is important, and yet the president, even after those new indictments came out, continues to call that special counsel's work a witch hunt. Why does he do that? I mean, are you okay with that? Well, I think it's important that we separate uh, interference in election versus determining an outcome in election. And we made that point to the Russians because their argument back to us, we heard this from, uh, from Russian leaders on the ground in Moscow, is that, hey, wait a minute. And first of all, they denied any interference, which we, we believe is an absolute lie. Our intelligence communities uh, have come to a very different conclusion. The FBI has come to a very different conclusion that they did interfere. But when confronted with that, uh, that uh, point, the Russians denied it. And what they said is that, look, if, if, we, were, uh, if we were seeking to, to uh, meddle with your election here, um, uh, it, didn't, you know, it, 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 it didn't change outcomes. So to me, uh, it doesn't matter if they change the outcome of election. What matters is that they sought to interfere with the election. The outcome be up to the American people. They sought to interfere in the democratic process. It doesn't seem like the president is interested in that difference, though. He continually goes back to his electoral college victory as if it's some insult on his victory. I mean, do you think the president yeah, is making I, that I distinction? I, well, I don't, and I, I would, uh, I don't think the the Russians changed the outcome in the election in 2016, but they did seek to interfere in it. I think that's an important distinction. And that's what the indictment that uh, the FBI is moving forward on in regards to their attempts to interfere in the U.S. elections. And remember, there, there aren't other countries doing this. The, the Chinese aren't doing that. The Japanese aren't doing that. The Belgians aren't doing that. The Africans aren't doing that. This, this is singularly, we have one bad actor in the world that relates to seeking to interfere in U.S. elections, and that's the Russians.
So, Senator, as you know, no one really knows what happened between the president and Vladimir Putin other than the two men and their translators. They were in the room. There's been there's an effort now. Some of your Democratic colleagues have talked about trying to get uh, sworn testimony from the American side translator. Uh, Maybe that sounds a little gimmicky. That doesn't sound like there's much uh, there's much likelihood of that happening. Mm -hmm. But do you and does Congress need to know what? actually transpired between Trump and Putin before you can judge whether he's actually moving things in the direction he seemed to be on his cleanup day, not the initial day? Yeah, well, I, listen, the, the, uh, we have three branches of government for a import, very important reason. There's, there's an executive branch that allows a president to have discussions with foreign leaders. It's not uncommon for the president of the United States to pick up the phone and call a foreign leader, whether it be uh, President Putin, or it would be Abe in Japan, or President Xi. Um, and, and so the president has the prerogative to have conversations with foreign leaders uh, as he or she sees fit. And so I, I think it's important for us to recognize that President Trump, number one, has opened up a dialogue with President Putin to try to improve a relationship that Ambassador Huntsman said is probably the lowest point post-Cold War the U.S.-Russia relationship has ever been. Uh, that is very concerning, considering the existential threat that the nuclear stockpiles of the nations uh, present to the rest of the world. And so that dialogue, I think, is a good thing. Start a dialogue. Uh, and the president was clear yesterday in his statement that uh, he supports the conclusions from our intelligence community, from you know great Americans, from Gina Haspel to Dan Coates uh, to uh, previously Mike Pompeo uh, and others. And so I, I, uh, I take the president at what he said, and I think we need to move forward. Uh, you, listen, Senator, you're, you're a thoughtful guy, and I, I want to preface that because I think I, I appreciate the time that you, the, you, you spent serving abroad and the, the time it took to, to be away from your family to make this trip to Russia, all of that. I'm just curious, though, that given, the, given the entirety of what you've seen this week, do you come away saying, Congress needs to assert itself more, putting some guardrails on this particular policy? Or do you feel like the executive branch and President Trump, they've got this? Well, regarding what needs to happen next, I I think the Congress needs to continue to take a look at uh, whether it's funding mechanisms, additional policies uh, to prevent uh, foreign interference in U.S. elections. I think this needs to uh, stay as a as a uh, an important uh, issue for Congress, because I don't I'm not convinced the Russians are finished. Uh, I'm not convinced there could be other bad actors around the world that may seek to do something similar to undermine democracy, because this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a nation, the United States, that that stands for freedom, democracy, uh, has delegated the powers to the people against tyrannies and authoritarian regimes. They stand against what we stand for. And that, uh, you know, what's core to our democracy is the ability for people to, to vote and that we have confidence in the outcomes of elections. So I think this needs to remain an important issue for Congress to address, whether that's additional funding on, on, on cyber protections and hardening some of these, uh, these targets of, of bad actors. Uh, I tell you, last night I was presiding over the Senate it was uh, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Uh, last evening in Washington, D.C. And uh, I tell you, I thought Marco Rubio uh, gave a very, very thoughtful speech. There was nobody in the chamber. <laughs> it was just Marco and me uh, and probably C-SPAN. And Marco really talked about this, this needs to uh, 
to not become a partisan Republican versus Democrat issue. This really is when we need to come together on here in terms of protecting the democratic process. Do you think the White House is taking the threat seriously? I do. Um, I, what I, evidence I, I, do you very, have of that? Very much do. Just in conversations I've had with uh, with members of our intelligence community, um, who who are you know uh, leaders there serve at the pleasure of the president. Whether it's Mike Pompeo, it's uh, Dan Coats, it's Gina Haspel. I, I met with Gina Haspel at CIA headquarters uh, last week, and um, and we we uh, we talked um, at length about our trip to Russia and election interference. And so um, yes, uh, uh, th- these are. Leaders who serve uh, under President Trump, they're taking this very, very seriously. Finally, Senator, I know you need to go. Just sort of a global question on this. Mm -hmm. Does do you just think it's weird that the president continues to hedge his bets when it comes to Vladimir Putin, shower praise on him publicly, uh, question his uh, his own intelligence community publicly while abroad, uh, even, even the, the cleanup, we, you, like you say, take him at his word on it. Do you just think it's weird that this keeps happening with Trump and Putin? Well, listen, I, I think, um, as I stated earlier about how Ambassador Huntsman framed their relationship and why this is so important. You know, R- R- Russia economically is not a uh, it's not a superpower. They're they're usually about tenth or eleventh in terms of GDP uh, globally. So economically, they're not a superpower. Militarily, they are, and that's because of nuclear weapons. So I, I think with with the chatter out here, the uh, you know the, the 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 media and the press love to talk about this, that, and different conspiracy theories. I will tell you what, um, we need to have a better relationship between Russia and the United States because of the the nuclear stockpiles. If nothing else, it starts there. I think there's some room for some small wins uh, in terms of ensuring that Russia complies with INF. The the nuclear treaties are in place here for short and medium-range nuclear weapons. So I think the relationship is important. I applaud the president for taking the risk to engage Putin. As, as you know, in the history of, of, of these summits between past presidents uh, and Russian leaders, it oftentimes hasn't ended well. And President Trump took that risk. I think it's a risk worth taking. And I think it's important here because, again, of the, uh, the strategic threat that Russia presents, not just the United States, but to the world. Senator Steve Daines, Republican from Montana and a member of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. Thank you for your time, Senator. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. All right. Be well. Bye-bye. So, Mary Alice, uh, uh, it sounds like a a whole lot of Republicans are going to be okay with what they heard in day two of President Trump in the the cleanup. Um, Despite the ambiguities, despite all the concerns that we heard in the initial aftermath, it seems like... President Trump in going out with kind of the half measure of a, of a partial walk back that he then re-walked back in the other direction, quieted yet another political storm. What do you think? I think he was working really hard to square a circle. On the one hand, saying repeatedly, trying to emphasize the importance of what Russia did and is already doing again, an attack on our democracy, trying to underscore how serious he thinks that issue is how the Homeland Security Committee is trying to take it seriously, saying more funding mechanisms might need to be put in place, the conversations he's had with intelligence officials about the seriousness of that threat. And then on the other hand, saying it was basically okay the president didn't really address it because it's important to have dialogue and there's these other issues. And that is just such 
uh, a contradiction that I yeah. think it is hard. It is hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, and I, I think it highlights the the broader issue that a lot of thinking Republicans, smart Republicans, elected elected leader Republicans have around all of this is that. You, you just have these glaring inconsistencies that President Trump himself presents. There are times where what President Trump says is anathema to um, not just the Republican Party, but all of American presidential traditions. And uh, it, it's also that unique style. And you think I think Senator Daines hinted at this, that the president's the negotiator and he thinks he gets himself in the room and, and can negotiate. And so it's opening up these conversations. But man, is it awkward and uncomfortable to a generation of elected leaders who have spent their lives um, respecting intelligence institutions, uh, realizing that someone like Vladimir Putin is a manipulative person who is going to use even these personal interactions to his benefit, uh, and looking on a world stage like you're kowtowing to the Russians. There were a lot of kind of overwrought comparisons, I think, in the last few days. But man, this was a big moment to have an American president next to the Russian president saying these things. Right. Republicans tend to run on being strong abroad, not apologizing for America, for having a strong military, for having a well-funded military, for taking an America-first approach. And yet, you're right, I was struck by a conversation I had with one ABC News contributor uh, who's also a former head of intelligence at DHS, who said he was worried that whole press conference made the U.S. look subservient to Russia. And I think Republicans are going to continue to get questions about whether that is true and how that jives with their worldview. That's right. And it's not in statements, even strongly worded statements um, uh, and tweets are, are one thing from usual suspects or non-usual suspects. One thing. Action is another. And there's a view in Congress among many Republicans that they've already done a lot to constrain the president and they've taken all a bunch of steps. But there's a lot more they could do if they really wanted if Congress, Republican and Democratic, wanted to truly tie the president's hands or hold his feet to the fire. On, uh, on Russia or anything else, they, ha- they have many, many more mechanisms at the, dis- the disposal that they've even hinted at so far. And a lot more they could do to help reassure Americans that our elections are safe, that in- U.S. institutions are not going to be under attack again. I think there are plenty of Americans that are continue that continue to be worried about that. And it'll be interesting to see whether this Congress is willing to do real oversight about what the government is or isn't doing to defend basic U.S. institutions. And it would appear the president's calculation, the White House calculation, is that um, the, the news cycle will move on, that he, he did enough of what he needed to do so that if you're a Trump supporter, you say, look, he went there and he cleaned it up and, and you've quieted those voices and then something else is going to happen because it always does. <laughs> that we could go from talking about a new world order to whether or not there's going to be a new news cycle in two days. Uh, that's a long one for these days. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. Thanks to Mary Alice Parks for, for coming in and, and co-hosting today. Uh, special thanks to our entire team, uh, Angie Yak uh, and uh, Avery Miller, Trevor Hastings back behind the controls, Liz Brown Kaiser. Uh, thanks so much. And we'll be back next week with more Powerhouse Politics.